Good morning. Good morning. A very happy new year to you all. Welcome to the Bethel this morning. So, 2016 is over. A new year begins today. It's a great way to start it off, isn't it? Meeting here uh, with all of you, with our family, in the presence of our God and of our Saviour. Meeting to worship them um, and to celebrate infinite grace. And maybe to resolve to turn our faces more to them in this coming year. 2016 is over, but it leaves its legacy, doesn't it? So many things that I could mention. Um, Major events like like the Brexit vote and the US presidential election may have left you wondering um, what's going to happen politically, what it has in store for us in in terms of domestic uh, and international politics. Large parts of Eastern and Southern Africa have experienced a terrible drought this year that will cause hunger and suffering last year, sorry, that will cause hunger and suffering this year. Almost certainly there'll be things that have happened in 2016 to each one of us. Um, good things or difficult things, um, but things that we're still feeling the impact of and that we will feel the impact of through this coming year. And we can do worse, can't we, than than start the year by giving all these things to our Father and asking for his guiding hand. So I'm going to pray to start with. If you just remain seated, um, this is a prayer that uh, was written by Billy Graham in 2008, but it's, it's just as relevant this year. So let's pray. Our Father and our God, as we stand at the beginning of this new year, we confess our need of your presence and your guidance as we face the future. We each have our hopes and expectations for the year that's ahead of us, but you alone know what it holds for us, and only you can give us the strength and the wisdom we'll need to meet its challenges. So help us to humbly put our hands into your hand and to trust you and to seek your will for our lives during this coming year. In the midst of life's uncertainties in the days ahead, assure us of the certainty of your unchanging love. In the midst of life's inevitable inevitable disappointments and heartaches, help us to turn to you for the stability and comfort we will need. In the midst of life's temptations and the pull of our stubborn self-will, help us not to lose our way, but to have the courage to do what is right in your sight, regardless of the cost. And in the midst of our daily preoccupations and pursuits, open our eyes to the sorrows and injustices of our hurting world and help us to respond with compassion and sacrifice to those who are friendless and in need. May our constant prayer be that of the ancient psalmist. Teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees, then I will keep them to the end. We pray for our nation and its leaders during these difficult times and for all those who are seeking to bring peace and justice to our dangerous and troubled world. As we look back over this past year, We thank you for your goodness to us, far beyond what we've deserved. May we never presume on your past goodness or forget all your mercies to us, but may they instead lead us to repentance and to a new commitment to make you the foundation and centre of our lives this year. And so, our Father, we thank you for the promise and the hope of this new year, and we look forward to it with expectancy and faith. This we ask in the name of our Lord and Saviour, who by his death and resurrection, has given us hope, both for this world and the world to come. Amen. I'd like to stand and sing now with us, please. Who can know the mind of our Creator? 
we stand in awe of him. And the reason I chose it was the third verse. You've seen the end from the beginning. You've been before the world began. You reached to me within my darkness and in the light of mercy now I see. At the beginning of 2017, let's stand and worship our God. Good morning. It's lovely to see you all here, and it's nice to be able to welcome amongst us Paul and Mark. It's good to see you, and it's our prayer that you all have a blessed morning today. Father, we do thank you for this year and all you're going to set before us. And Lord Jesus, thank you for the example you lead us. Please bless our plans. Andrew has provided me with some care news, which I will share with you now. So Gladys and Ian remain the same and each do like to see visitors. So if you have opportunity over the week, please can you pop in and see them. Pauline Price also remains stable, but she's very tired. And we've also heard from Mike Hardy that Sue has had some good results from her recent biopsies and they thank everyone for their prayers and support. So that's our care news. Thank you. Before we pray again together, is there anything else anyone would like us to pray for as, as a family together now? Father, again, we, we want to just um, come before you in humility and, and in awe of, of you and your love and your grace um, and bring before you some of the members of our family who are not so well and we ask for your um, healing hand and we ask for your uh, compassionate embrace on those involved. So we, we ask that you be with um, Gladys and Ian and Pauline and help them always to know um, that you are close to them uh, and we ask for the, the family of um, the, the Browley and the McPherson families in rugby um, we ask that you will send them people to comfort them and that, that they will know your comfort and your, your love um, and your hope in a terribly sad time help them to come to terms with, with what's happened and help them to know and not forget your love we, <clears throat> we pray for Philip and Sheila um, as Philip's in hospital we pray for um, wisdom and skill for the medical team looking after him um, and for your, for your care and we thank you Lord that um, Sue Hardy has had um, encouraging results for her tests. We, we thank you for your love. Um, Father, we pray for everybody who, who might be experiencing difficulties, health-related or, or anything else, that you will bless them, you'll hold them in your hand, um, and that you'll help us um, to be your hands and feet for, for those people. Lord, we pray that this might be the year that you send Jesus back to, um, to begin to set up your kingdom and to uh, begin the process where there will be no more illness and sadness and cruelty and death. And we look forward to your kingdom and we pray that it will come soon. But we know that, that you know the times and we trust that you know what's best for each one of us and that you are with us in, in all difficulties and all the good times that we experience. 
Help us to, to know you better and to walk more closely with you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing, sing another prayer just in response to, to that, what we've heard, what we've thought about, um, and as we, as we begin this new year. Charles is going to come and speak to us um, very shortly. Before he does, Julia is going to lead us uh, in reading together from Genesis 12 and the first nine verses. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 9. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moray at Shechem. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued towards the Negev. Good morning everyone, it's great to see you. And Happy New Year. If it feels like life is going fast, uh, well, strictly speaking, you're spot on. Because in the last 365 days and one second, um, the earth has travelled all the way around the sun. So what that means is that you, me, and everything else on this rock has been travelling life at 18.5 miles per second. So life is definitely going fast. On the other hand, it may feel like life's a bit monotonous, a bit bit samey. And if that's the case, it is worth thinking about what's going on without you even realising it. The thousands of biological processes which keep you alive without you even having to think about it. Or the fact that since this time yesterday, we've travelled 1.6 million miles. Truly, every day is different often I find my head is a bit stooped down and I don't pay attention to that. I remember um, a number of years ago there's a gentleman who came to the Bible reading group, um, John, as in, uh, John and Norris, and we remember him. And I remember him saying um, that it was only when he retired that he realised he had not spent enough time looking up at the sky. And that stuck with me as being quite a profound thing to look at the sky that great big expanse above us that's always changing its colours its scenery the clouds passing over 
You might think of Lowry's man lying on a wall, looking up, just looking up at the sky. The sky that's there, whatever situation we're in, whatever part of the world we're in, it's always there. And a few months ago, I was reading something which um, I was grabbed by the word sojourn. That's an old word. It's a regular feature of the King James Version of the Bible. I was going to start this um, talk by saying sojourn much, but I thought you'd probably be asking personal questions about finances and stuff like that. So I scrapped that idea. The question is, do you travel in your life? The word sojourn comes from a French um, origin to mean to spend a day. It just means a temporary stay. I think sojourning is a pretty accurate description of our lives in this world. Often we're deluded by a sense of permanence, but this morning I want us to focus on what it means to be a sojourner and what difference that makes to our daily walk. The very fact we call it a daily walk implies that we understand that we're on a journey. O Lord, make me know my end, and what is the measure of my days? Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days a few handbreadths, and my lifetime is as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. Surely a man goes about as a shadow. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Hold not your peace at my tears, for I am a sojourner with you, a guest like all of my fathers. David wrote those words in Psalm 39. And he expresses similar sentiments uh, at the end of 1 Chronicles, which we're going to read in a second. This is the time when um, David's at the end of his life, and he's kind of passing over the baton to his son Solomon. Um, but in this time, he, he decides to kind of almost do one last great act and collect together all the, the materials that would go to become um, the temple. And as all this stuff comes in, he prays. And we're going to read that. Jeff, I believe, is going to read this for us. And it's uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 10 to 18. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendour for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honour come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. O oh Lord our God, as for all this abundance, 
that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name. It comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. I know, my God, that you test the heart and are pleased with integrity. All these things I have given you willingly and with the honest intent. And now I have seen with joy how willing your people are to hear, who are here, have given to you. O Lord God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac and Israel, keep this desire in the heart of your people forever and keep their hearts loyal to you. That's a good passage to read if you're feeling uh, comfortable, self-satisfied, achieved, fulfilled. As you could quite imagine David feeling when he sees all this stuff coming in and, and what he's achieved. But in the end, he reflects it all back to God. Everything comes from God anyway. And he, he sees his life now in the rearview mirror and he realised that as all things belong to God, what has he got to feel smug about? but rather give God the glory. Verse 11, he says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. The repetition of that, it just magnifies with every phrase, doesn't it? For yours, everything in heaven and earth is yours. Sentiments very much like the Lord's Prayer. There are lots of things I like about home in the physical sense. I like my own bed with its familiar topography, the springiness of the pillows, just how I want it. I like the security of locking the doors at night with a clink and a clunk and feeling safe. I like having everything close by, from clothes to books to all the different things I've collected um, through my life and that Julie hasn't thrown out. I like turning the gas fire up so high that my eyes melt closed. But I think probably the civilian population of Aleppo felt like that a few years ago. Life is transitory. Our possessions, they don't really mean anything in the end. And so easily they can be taken away. And whilst our focus is definitely on the spiritual pilgrimage we make, it'd be foolish to ignore the physical because it's the picture of the physical which tells us so much about what should be happening in our hearts. And there's a temptation to think about our journey as being like a a nice stroll in the Lake District. Spring day, sunshine, lambs skipping around, finish off at a, a pub for a nice country lunch. But really, that's anything, that's nothing like and the pilgrimage that is described in the Bible and which should represent um, the journey that we're making. It should be more like, as Tolkien uh, portrayed it, the hobbits leaving the comfort of the Shire to make their, their journey through, um, through terrible, uh, tortuous journeys, battling orcs. Well, maybe our daily life's not quite that graphic, but we all have things that we have to overcome, obstacles which we have to get over in our lives. And David finishes this little passage we read with a reference to perhaps the great sojourning of the Bible. And he says, O Lord God of our fathers Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. And that passage which we read earlier from uh, Genesis chapter 12 is probably the most famous journey in the Bible.
And kind of verse 1 says it all. Genesis 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's house. And go to the land that I will show you. That is extreme. There's no doubt about that. And that is daunting. But it's helpful to remember that every single journey goes step by step, bit by bit. If you ever climbed a Lake District mountain, and if Rosie were here, she'd be going, yes, three before breakfast. If you ever climbed a Lake District mountain, you look at it and think, I'm never going to do that. But you start off bit by bit, and I do that thing where I put my hands on my thighs to kind of push myself each step. And then you get to a bit where you have a breather, and you turn around and you go, wow, look how far we've come. I can still see the car park, though. (laughs) It's still so in touching distance. But we make it step by step. And actually, Abraham had a bit of help on the way. If you go to the last verse of, uh, or the last two verses of the chapter before, um, verse 31 of chapter 11, it says, Terah took his son Abraham, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abraham, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. So actually, the, the journey for Abraham, Abraham had already started which is something we don't always uh, pick up on, I think. I think that's helpful because we're not doing this by ourselves and we're here to support each other. God gives us great things to do, but we don't have to do that by ourselves. And Abraham had the example of his father of leaving, leaving home. We don't really know why um, Terah decided to leave Ur, but something made him leave. And whilst Abraham then took that journey onto the next level, it started with someone else. <clears throat> and we need to support each other, give each other messages of encouragement, lead the way and then let someone else lead, and then lead the way a bit further as we make our journeys. But there's no doubt that Abraham left everything, his culture, <coughs> his roots, his people, to go on this journey. And in doing so, He was making himself vulnerable. Do you feel vulnerable in your journey in this life? Do you feel like you've left anything behind? It's a a fair question to ask. Abraham was making himself someone who didn't actually fit in anywhere. He didn't fit in back home, and he didn't fit in anywhere on the journey that he was making. I'm acutely aware that <coughs> there's people, members of this church, who are in a much better position to talk about this. Wouldn't it be amazing if in a few months' time, Ralph and Sarouche could talk to us with a bit more English lessons about their experiences on their combined physical and spiritual journeys and what that would teach us about what it is to kind of leave your home, leave your culture, leave your families and go to a place where you don't really fit in. Wouldn't it be amazing to hear those experiences and and how humbling it would be? It's not hard to see physical pictures in the world around us of what it is to leave home. I don't know if you heard Prince Charles' thought for the day um, last week, and he referenced the UN figures which show that year on year on year, more and more people are being forced to leave their homes through war, persecution. There are more people been made refugees in the world now than at any other time in history 
And for us in a spiritual sense, that means that our journey in faith should not be a walk on thick pile cushioned carpet. It might mean dealing with situations which we'd rather not be in. It might mean standing up for causes which we'd rather not have to deal with. It might mean doing the right thing when we really don't feel like it. And it might mean answering the call which we wish we'd never received in the first place. But God doesn't give us everything to do in one go. Bit by bit through our lives, he reveals to us what he wants from us and leads us in this journey. I wonder what it was about Canaan that was uh, so attractive. don't really know, to be honest. And actually, it doesn't really matter. Because what really matters is the commentary in the book of Hebrews on what Abraham was doing. If you want to have a quick look at Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though he did not know where he was going, by faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. That's what the real goal of Abraham's journey was. Not to live in tents, but to live in a city that was built by God. And that's a strange thing about being a sojourner. You don't know where you're going. You've never seen the destination. And do you know what that makes you? It makes you a visionary. Someone who is looking into the future for something that hasn't yet been revealed. I mentioned there was a a little book I was reading that, that made the word sojourner spring to mind. And this is what Annie Dillard says. The word sojourner occurs often in the English Old Testament. It invokes a nomadic people's sense of vagrancy. A praying people's knowledge of estrangement and a thinking people's sense of sharp loss. This is the most important point, that being a sojourner means you never feel like you quite fit in. If you feel angry at the state of the world, that's a good sign that you are sojourning. Not angry that you didn't get the plasma 42-inch TV for Christmas but angry at the plight of civilians in Aleppo, angry at the decline of community spirits nearer to home, angry that a sense of God seems to be taken and stripped from our society. You don't feel at ease with this because it's a world without foundation. It's superficial and your vision is of a city built by God which has foundations. And with that vision, you can clamber over every hurdle. You can make it over every obstacle that 2017 will undoubtedly put in your path. In his classic book, Viktor Frankl's um, Search for Me- Man's Search for Meaning, he talks about his experience in Nazi concentration camps and all the other people he was with, and he reflects on it from a psychological point of view. 
And he quotes Nietzsche's words when he says, he who has a why to live for can bear with almost any how. The people who, who struggle more than anyone else in the, those camps were those who had no hope. He talks of one person, a famous composer in, in civilian life, who had a dream that on March the 30th, 1945, the war, the war would end and he'd be free. And as the days crept towards that date, and it was clear that the war wasn't going to end, this man's health deteriorated, and he died on the 31st of March, 1945. If you have hope, if you have vision, you can just about deal with anything that life throws you. A common feature of a sojourning, a sojourney, a sojournment, is that you don't really know where you're going and you don't know the route it's going to take. The markers aren't how you plan them. And that's how it is with our, our lives. But if the vision is there, <coughs> then that's what counts. But it is good to have some signposts on the way, isn't it? It is good to have signposts on the way, which help us head in the right direction. They help us keep our focus on that vision, on that city which is coming, which is built by God. In that um, passage in Genesis chapter 12, it talks um, in verse 8 that Abraham went out onto the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. It's good to have this Bethel, isn't it? This house of God where we can come back to week on week throughout 2017 and take bread and wine. Not that the physical place means anything, of course, but the spiritual sense of being with fellow sojourners on the same journey walking different lines but coming together at these key moments to support each other. I've quoted before how um, Buzz Aldrin, the second man to put his foot on the feet on the moon, um, took with him in his spacesuit a tiny little container of wine and a, a tiny piece of bread because it doesn't matter where you are in your journey, physically or spiritually, you can be in space. The bread and the wine are the signposts that direct us to our goal. And they mean that we can be a great nation. They mean that God is blessing us and he's making our name, which is his name, great. And we can be a blessing to everyone that we meet. So may God bless all of us in this battle today and in the rest of 2017. Thank you, Charles. We're going to sing together now um, from the Green Hymn book, number 136, if you have the book and would like to turn to it. I thought this was a nice, nice prayer concerning what Charles spoke about, um, being on a on a journey that takes us away from comforts um, potentially so Father hear the prayer we offer not for ease that prayer shall be but for strength that we may ever live our lives courageously and um, the last verse says be our strength in hours of weakness in our wanderings be our guide through endeavour, failure, danger Father be thou at our side when the people of Israel were sojourning through the wilderness they had uh, a cloud 
pillar of fire and a cloud, a day and a night, um, to guide them, ever present, ever kind of over them. And and we don't have that, but um, Charles kind of uh, alluded at the end there to to what is the thing that that leads us on our journey, and and it's grace, isn't it? Without grace, our journey will just take us round and round in circles, and we're not heading anywhere. Um, and when we share this bread and this wine, that is that is a, a signpost on the way. It's a reminder um, for us that we are overshadowed by the awesome love and grace of our Father. And we're going to sing. Sorry, Tony, Lucy. Um, we're going to sing again about that before we share bread and wine. Only the the holy overshadowing. No refuge will I seek but God alone. Only the cross, the blood to wash my sin. So we stand and sing this again. God of love, we thank you for this signpost. This signpost that points us to Jesus because he points us to you. Lord, on our journey, this year it might be just as just as unpredictable it might be just as scary but Lord we know that we can centre on you and maybe what we see and what we hear is your kingdom coming help us to be reminded as we share part of one loaf that we are all part of one body and that it is together that we walk that this journey we make is together with you with our Lord Jesus and that your kingdom will come but it's also our job to make it come through us until the sword is spared and the bread is shared until the dying's done let your kingdom come till the rich ones give and the poor ones live till the weak are strong let your kingdom come Lord let your kingdom come soon help us to continue to look to that time to make it happen now and give flavours of your coming glorious kingdom as we share this bread together we ask in the strong name of our resurrected and living Lord Jesus Amen so we share bread together and remember um, Jesus and his body given in love Before we share the wine together, Richard is going to lead us in prayer. Travelling Lord, foxes had holes, birds had nests, but there was nowhere for you to lay your head. Travelling Lord, you walked as far as your legs would carry you. 
and shed things along the way until your face turned to Jerusalem and across until there was nothing left except your body and the life within it and as we remember the end of your journey in sacrifice and death as we share this cup of wine to fill us with new life we pray that we can join you on the new journey that you started the journey of eternal life that leads us to God's kingdom and in thanksgiving we share these things with you and grasp hold of hope to take us through our earthly journey until we see you face to face. Amen. So this cup of wine that we share together reminds us of Jesus' bloodshed uh, to show us how much he loves us and to um, achieve forgiveness of our sins. going to sing a song of praise together now it's we have done this before uh, but it may be um, unfamiliar to some it's uh, who oh lord could save themselves um, and the chorus talks about um, you alone can save us you alone can lift us from the grave you have come to lead us out of death jesus is leading us on a journey from death to life in his kingdom So thank you very much for being here. Thank you, um, Julie and Jeff, for reading beautifully. Thank you, Alex and Richard, for your prayers. Thank you, Tony and Lucy, for um, putting up with my <laughs> uh, combinations of new stuff. Thank you for being here. Thank you for spending your New Year's Day with this family that means so much to us. We, we're going to um, sing our final prayer in a moment. Um, but I just want to read you a New Year blessing written by a chap called Roy Lewin. May the coming year be one of increased riches of grace, hearing his voice more clearly, knowing his heart more deeply, resting in his love more fully, trusting his care more completely, walking his pathway more peacefully, knowing his presence more intimately, blessed by his goodness more abundantly. That's my prayer for you, for all of us, for this coming year. We're going to close with um, the Lord bless you.